it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you are listening to this. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Often Daunted Podcast with me, Burke White. I'm sitting here recording in my basement in the wee hours of the morning as uh, it's just been a long, long day. A long, great day. Um, but after six hours of driving to and from that game, um, uh, got home about 1230 here in Fort Wayne. And uh, I, I had loaded up my oldest and my wife and went on a absolute pilgrimage. Um it was my wife's first trip into Assembly Hall, uh, her now being a full-fledged and fully delusional Indiana fan. I figured she was finally ready. Uh, we had an absolute blast watching a, na- watching a Hoosier team uh, that came out as a far more competent and uh, in-rhythm Hoosier squad. And man, do I appreciate it. After how slow that last game started, it was nice to see this team come out with something. And uh, yeah, so I, again, I, I can't thank you enough for tuning in here to the Often Daunted podcast. As I will be after every game of this regular season coming up, I am uh, releasing this episode the day after. So just remember, whenever the whenever there is a game, I will be here recording. I will be delivering an episode the following morning. Thank you so much. Another day of Indiana basketball, another episode of the Often Daunted podcast for you. Um, today on the episode, I will be breaking down the uh, much more confidence-fueling exhibition that was Indiana's wire-to-wire handling of the Marion University Knights. I will be looking ahead to the upcoming matchup with Florida Gulf Coast. I will be bringing you stories around college basketball pertaining to the Hoosiers and college basketball in general, as I usually do. And then I will be utilizing this week's Hoosier history hit as my Bobby Knight tribute portion. So without further ado, let's get into it. Final score out of Bloomington, Indiana 94, Marion University 61. You know what that means. Indiana, our Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. Went to the falsetto there for you. I, and I, hey, I'm feeling good because it's late. I'm feeling a little loopy, but Indiana had a good showing today. We saw a lot to like. Um, I just wanted to dig into it a little, um, give you a few of my takeaways from it. Not much to discuss in terms of uh, what this means for the upcoming season, as it is an exhibition game against Marion, but there's still still a lot to like from watching this one. Now, now heading into this game, on the Inside Indiana Basketball Show um, this week, Woody said that he had wanted to get more looks with three, three guards on the floor at one time. He said that he also wanted to see what Gabe Cups and Xavier Johnson may look like playing in tandem. In this game, I don't know how much more of that we saw, as everything was just working just fine. The backcourt was able to rely on the frontcourt for production, and uh, I mean, that production wasn't just coming in the paint against a far inferior opponent. It was coming from the inside and outside, I mean, both just superbly. Unexpectedly, we found some outside shooting, and I can't thank Christ enough that we found it. Malik, uh, Kalel, even Caleb got in on it. Just just stellar shooting from the front court, and uh, I just hope, he, he, here's hoping that it can carry forward. That, that stellar shooting 
oftentimes came off of the, the transition play. The, the Hoosiers are going to look to run this year. Um, just look at the roster. Look at the talents of each of these guys. In turn, with uh, looking to run, it, it's a perfect opportunity for us to utilize the skills of our front court. These uh, larger guys are able to draw top rim-protecting defenders away from the rim. So uh, in transition, leaving an open rim, that's a, always a plus. And, hey, if, if they aren't drawing out those uh, elite rim protectors that can be found around the Big Ten this upcoming season, if they are uh, not respecting their three ability, it looks like our guys are going to be able to take advantage of that. As we saw today, time after time, just a three hit on the transition dish, thanks to those men on them having to commit to protecting the rim. While, while that last game was just a slow start all around for the Hoosiers, um, they came out with something today. Leading Marion wire to wire as it should be here in these exhibition games against far inferior opponents. And yeah, yeah, it, it was transition displayed all day. It was Indiana superior athleticism, um, just taking advantage of everything that Marion gave them. And I know it's Marion, but uh, saying Indiana dominated dominated the fast break in this one uh, here would be an understatement just beyond understatement. This, this squad is supremely athletic, and it showed as the Hoosiers outscored the Knights uh, 27-0 on the front court. That is 27-0. Zero, people. Zero points in the fast break. Indiana allowed zero points in the fast break. And do you know how you allow zero points in the fast break? You don't give them opportunities in the fast break. You make the plays you need to. You box out on the defensive end. But most of all, you do not turn the ball over. And uh, that's exactly what the Hoosier backcourt was able to do today. As uh, going through that box score, if you're looking for Indiana turnovers, which uh, over the past few seasons there have been a plenty, Marion just wasn't able to generate them against us today, or yeah, yesterday. If you're listening to this on Saturday, which I mean, hey, it's Saturday. If you don't have work, your family misses you. <laughs> no, but I appreciate you giving me the listen. So uh, continue listening up. No, I Indiana had a total of two turnovers committed in this game. And if you're thinking, oh, that must have been Gabe Tufts, just freshman handles, that it's bound to happen. No, that wasn't the case. Our two turnovers came from uh, one from Kalel and uh, one from CJ. But, th I mean, that means that our backcourt trio, our uh, ball primary ball-handling trio of Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, and Gabe Cups had a goose egg in that box. Just, just a dominant display in ball possession in doing the right things in that backcourt because uh, not only does that translate into opportunities for your guys, more and more chances to get shots up, um, it translates into more assists for these guys. More possessions that aren't resulting in turnovers. These guys are going to have more opportunities to help their teammates score. And the Hoosiers lit it up in the assist category. Xavier Johnson ended the night with seven. Trey Galloway, six. Gabe Cups, six. That is a total performance by a backcourt. The Hoosiers didn't have to rely on much backcourt production because our frontcourt is doing it all, was doing it all today, for sure. Even so, I mean, Xavier Johnson got his eight points, Trey got four, Gabe added two, but man, it, it was the frontcourt production that uh, should have plenty of us salivating over the possibilities of what this team can do, how uh, quickly this team can do it, um, just how athletically this front court is like how ath athletic this front court is while while you could say yeah K Kalel Malik and Mbako that's bound to be an athletic front court but I mean we saw it last week from Peyton we saw that he has more athleticism than we may have initially thought 
But uh, I, I'm thinking, and I'm certainly hoping that my train of thought that we here on uh, Anthony Walker may be correct in that we got so much more than we expected in it. It seems like every time Anthony Walker stepped on the floor in these first two exhibitions, remember, you can't take too much from these, but what you can take from these is uh, what the, the energy these guys bring to the floor. And Anthony Walker has it in spades. He, he is so much more of a prominent presence than I thought he was going to be. Even in these exhibitions that we weren't going to, uh, that we aren't going to read into too deeply here. He, he uh, seems to hit the floor and make an impact almost immediately. That's just what his experience in the college game has given him. Uh, that and working in tandem with his just superior athletic gifts that I think were drastically overlooked when I was uh, thinking about what he was going to be bringing to this squad this season. There's a lot to love in in his game, and I'm excited to see what becomes of it this season. Through, throughout the entirety of this game, if there is one person who should have gained a lot from this, I genuinely believe it's Kalel Ware. I, I'm hoping to God that this is an absolute Kalel Ware confidence-boosting performance. Kalel ended his night with uh, 20 points on 8 of 13 shooting from the floor, with uh, one of those being a three-pointer. On top of that, he had 11 rebounds and one block, and yeah, it was against smaller opposition. It was, absolutely. And uh, sometimes his game looks like you wish it was a little more physical, and uh, he kind of has a wiry frame, but he is able to do things on the offensive end that just I don't see many many uh, other Big Ten centers being able to do. He's a player that those guys are going to be dogged guarding because you have to guard him at every area of the floor. There's no just floating around because you know he's going to have to go to the rim. This offense looks open. The uh, front court is going to be open if our guys are able to shoot at the clips they did today. Well, while you can't solidify a season outlook based on two exhibition games, you can take optimism away from them. And uh, I'm choosing to do just that in the performances we saw from Kalel, uh, from Mbako, and from uh, Malik Renu. In regards to Malik Renu, he ended his night with 14 points on 5 of 7 shooting from the floor, but it was the three-pointers that absolutely stood out to every Hoosier fan watching. It's just something we haven't had. Just something we haven't had in years. And while it is a sample size of one game we're really looking at here, it seems like everybody had an understanding that this ability was inherent in Malik and that he would be able to unlock this down the line. Here's hoping that we're finally there. Here's hoping that we are at the spread-the-floor days of Indiana basketball. Spread the floor, open up the paint, and, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I mean, it was just a far more competent shooting performance than we've seen in that building in a while, honestly. All around, all around, with uh, the team going 9 for 17 from three-point. That's astounding. That is astounding. While it isn't, like, high, it isn't the highest volume, uh, we don't need it to be if our team's going to be as, as athletically gifted as they are, if they're going to be looking to run in transition as much as I assume they will be, uh, just based on the personnel. I'll take I'll, I will take 52% shooting from my team every day. Every day I'll take that. With with that 52% coming from the front court, it's going to present Big 10 defenses with a defensive challenge that not many Indiana Hoosier teams have been able to present in recent history. Of course it's Big 10 basketball so they'll look look to drag us down to their level and just I mean it's a brutal league we play in. But if the Hoosiers can stick to their, their game, if we can hone these skills in these guys, if these guys can keep this precision up, the possibilities are, are truly, 
truly something of significance, if you ask me. I, I truly believe that uh, if we can rely on uh, these guys to make the shots at this clip, it's going to be a fun, fun basketball season. It, it's all relative. It's the game of basketball. One thing alleviates the other, and if our front court is hitting threes at this rate, it's just going to make everybody's game easier. If centers and forwards need to get out on Kalel Ware, that opens up the paint for Malik. It opens up the paint for a driving Xavier Johnson, a driving Trey Galloway. A, I mean, just a driving, shooting, whatever Mbako. That kid is a natural. Speaking on Mbako, five for eight from the field, three for four from deep, three for four from deep from our small forward. Yeah, I, I know I sound excited. And I know it was Marion. But I, uh, there, were, there are points in the recent history of Hoosier basketball that we aren't, we aren't hitting open threes. We, we aren't hitting any threes whatsoever from that. From several spots or several positions on this team. And if we have a front court that needs to be guard at every part of this floor, that, that is such an asset to have with you. That is such an asset for your team to take into the season. Speaking on the Indiana front court, uh, it was great to see Caleb get loose for the season here. He seemed to be uh, seemed to be forcing the issue a bit there down the line in this one. But hey, I mean, it, it looked like it looked like he was trying to get that point total up, trying to uh, stuff a stat sheet as while he could. We were up extensively against Marion, and uh, in, just in the waning moments of this one, and I don't know of a better time for somebody to work on finding his offensive touch than that. Like just just. Get it up. Get shots up. And hope to God you can find it because real basketball is starting on Tuesday. few other key takeaways I had in this game. Zero points off turnovers. Zero points. Zilch. Of course, weaker competition. But our backcourt was protecting the rock with the utmost care. Um, while also just trusting the frontcourt to handle any and all finishing. Um, it seemed to need en route to this victory. En route to not just a victory a much more promising and competent performance by a team who has aspirations of success in March this year. Don't tell me they don't. Mike Woodson's in win-now win mode and few showings of skill sets here and there throughout this game should give a Hoosier fan confidence that uh, if, every, if we can click, if everything can, uh, if each of these guys can find their footing and this offense can get humming and rhythm, we have the tools, these guys have the skills to truly compete with anyone this season. And I, I say anyone because it's not just going to be the big, bruising Big Ten that we need to compete with. If we're looking to have success in March, it needs to be these athletic teams who run the floor that we want to compete with. And each of the guys showed today that they, they, have, the, yeah, they, they have the ability to do that, I think. Our, our team, like, Kalel Ware is an athletic, he's a unicorn. He's a freak, like, I don't want to say freak of nature, that seems derogatory. He is a... He's an absolute athletic stud. He he may not have the tenacity in the interior right now that we uh, all would like to see from him, but that can come in time. We've seen it come in time with so many players. Yeah, it's a team of athletes. That's all I'm trying to say. Is that It's a team of athletes that will be able to play a brand of Indiana basketball that roster after roster over the last few seasons didn't not, like, they didn't not choose to play that. They didn't have the ability to play that. We will be able to do things with the skills and the physical attributes that some of these guys have 
that Indiana rosters of yesteryear in recent history just were incapable of doing. Of course, that would take everybody hitting their marks, like understanding the game plan, knowing what to do, knowing where to be. But, I mean, I, it's there. I see it. I, I see it. And uh, I'm optimistic for how this is all going to be able to culminate by the end of the season. Building on just uh, just just that what this team is capable of doing, Mbako, Mbako, Mbako. Mackenzie Mbako makes the game look easy, and he certainly did against the much smaller Marion side. Of course, of course you would have liked to see his uh, closeouts be a bit quicker, and Mike obviously made it known to everybody in Assembly Hall that that was the case. But this kid's knowledge of the game has him in the right spots on the offensive end. And once he can own it, once he can hone that, that knowledge and apply it to the defensive end a little more routinely, he, he, he knows enough about the flow of the game that I genuinely think that questions in regard to his ability to defend smaller, faster opponents, as it seems he will have to all season, I, I think they may be answered, they may be greatly alleviated um, should he be able to anticipate the game as much as I believe he will be able to on the defensive end. On the offensive end, he just knows where to be at all times. He knows the flow of the game. His three-point shooting, three for four, this game speaks to that because most of them came in transition because he knew exactly where he needed to be. He was in the corner because uh, after the defense crashed, he was wide open for him. And if he knows where to be on the offensive end, he knows where the man he's defending may look to be on the defensive end. So that slower step he may have on some of these smaller guys, his brain can make up the difference. He can put himself in the positions to be, if he's one step late, he'll make the adjustments necessary to be one step ahead prior to having to close out. I genuinely believe that he will be able to do that. All in all, just a great game. Not really digging into it too much. It's a Marion exhibition. Uh, you just have to be appreciative for watching a team come out a lot more fiery than they had in the prior one. Uh, watching a team come out looking to run, looking to run and looking to protect the ball. And lastly, you need to be appreciative of the free throws. They are free throws, people. You need to get you need to grab every one of them for your dear life and hold on. And uh thank gosh the Hoosiers were able to improve it since uh last exhibition as the Hoosiers shot 21 for 25 from free throws. 21 for 25. When's the last time we've shot that well from the free throw line? 21 for 25. And you can say, no, that is one stat you can't say, Marion. It's free throws. Maybe the fouls weren't as aggressive as a Big Ten just bruising you would be. But that's just a man, the line, and the rim. And the Hoosiers were able to take full advantage of every trip to that line today. So after great performances all around, honestly, each guy showed you something that you wanted to see. No, no, no less, no, I mean, no more than Gabe Cubs who absolutely showed that he is going to be a certified pain in the ass for uh, any Big Ten fan not in allegiance to the Candy Stripes. There, he had that, in the first half, he had that errant pass, uh, saving catch and pass in the air, right back, right back, caught it in the air, threw it in the same jump. And that, that play by him honestly took me somewhere. It took me somewhere. It took me to a place of watching countless other Big Ten guys on uh, Big Ten teams making a play just as unexpected, just as possession salvaging. And I love to see it. Going at it with X this offseason seems to have improved a young 
upstart defender that may have already arrived here with far more talent on the defensive and defensive side of the ball than any Hoosier fan would have been in their right to expect. Plenty to love about this one. Plenty to uh, plenty to appreciate. So I'm just going to appreciate it. A great win for the Hoosiers. It is an exhibition opponent. It is Marion University. But it is a good one to take us into the start of regular season. So following that game, your uh, show Walter Fish of the game. This week I'm going to be giving that show Walter Fish of the game to Kalel Ware. He absolutely needed a confidence booster um, just after... It has to be so tiring hearing everybody be like, well, is this kid lazy? Does this kid have the motor? Motor, 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 motor. Shut up. It's time we we got to quit with that. If he has it, if he doesn't, he's our guy. He's our guy this season. We'll need him to find any success. And I'm hoping that uh, his first double-double 20-point outing in Assembly Hall can uh, can provide him with a little confidence moving forward. So yeah, your show Walter Fish the game, that goes to Kalel Ware for this one. All right, awesome game to be heading into the regular season with. And we got we got it we got an exciting first game. We have an exciting first game against the Florida Gulf Coast Eagles. And uh, just coming off a season at 17 and 15, the uh, Florida Gulf Coast Eagles are going to be looking to prove themselves a little more in conference this season. But but they have plenty of pieces coming back. And uh, just just looking ahead to this, I just wanted to share some of the names to look out for in that Tuesday matchup. The uh, first being the first being Isaiah Thompson. Isaiah Thompson is going to be entering Assembly Hall following a season in which he averaged 14.9 points, 3.2 assists, uh, all, all while shooting 37.6 from the three-point range. He is a senior guard, and senior guards play. Senior guards always <laughs> senior guards always seem to be. Some of the more reliable players on these uh, mid-majors that we will be facing in the uh, non-conference. And the uh, a second player I wanted to bring up, there, yeah, there's Isaiah Thompson, the senior, but there's also Chase Johnston, the graduate, or yeah, another senior, sorry, sorry, another senior. Uh, he himself averaged 12.7 a game, um, all while shooting 37% from beyond the arc as well. Th- these two are going to be leading this, they're going to be leading the charge for the Eagles in this one. Luckily, if they're planning on scoring all of the points for the Eagles, um, an Eagle squad that is returning most of its roster, which I mean credit to them in the day of the NIL and the day of the transfer portal, uh, they're going to have a rough day. They're going to have a rough day because our backcourt has to be the most defensively impressive one in the Big Ten. And uh, the Big Ten is a much more competitive league, especially defensively, than the A-Sun. If we're being real, and I'm previewing this game for real, Indiana needs to win this game. The, the Florida Gulf Coast just simply shouldn't have the size to contend with our front court. And if they are to rely on their backcourt for all of the production, I have to hope that our two captains can uh, hold it down defensively enough to make sure that they're ultimately put away, put away handedly in this one. If we are able to protect the ball, I mean, even an ounce of how well we were today, if we can limit any points in transition from these guys, uh, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping to see a Hoosier a Hoosier smackdown out of the gate of the regular season. Not not the deepest outlook. It's Florida Gulf Coast, you guys. Uh, we'll we'll have better previews as we head into this uh, as we head into the more well known opponents, maybe the more familiar faces. Um, but for now, yeah, I my uh, for my Indiana preview, my Indiana Florida Gulf Coast preview. I am expecting the Hoosiers to handle their business at home against the Eagles. Now, with the uh, thoughts of this game out of the way, 
with the thoughts of the upcoming game with the Florida Gulf Coast Eagles out of the way. Let's get into some Indiana news. Like I said in the uh, beginning of the show, I'll be getting into the Bobby Knight reel, like uh, li- my little tribute portion for him um, in your Hoosier history hit. But uh, just right off the bat in Indiana news, I can say our, our community celebrated the life of the General Wednesday as we saw the uh, passing of Bobby Knight and plenty of mourning Bobby Knight. We, we saw it from all around college basketball. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Purdue, a, a, a rare shout out to Purdue on this show. We, we can MF Purdue till the cows come home when we tip. But that was a truly class act move in having a moment of silence for Bobby prior to their exhibition game against Grace College. E- even even their school papers headlines didn't have to bring up controversy or uh you know his uh abrasive uh, or any quote unquote abrasive whatever abrasive tendencies as opposed to uh whatever Ernie Pyle student found it necessary to do so in the IDS headline on the subject. Just just props to Purdue running a classy organization that uh yeah, it was nice to it was nice to have them in our corner. Nice to know they understood the gravity of what this loss meant for the Indiana family. I'll get into more of the Bobby later, but uh, this week uh, Todd Leary was speaking on Mackenzie Mbako's shooting abilities, and he, he had a gem of a quote. I think Mackenzie Mbako is the best shooter IU has had come in since Jay Edwards, and I mean it. He's that good. His stroke is that pure. And when I initially wrote down this quote, I was like, man, uh, all right, I hope I see it. I saw it. I, I saw it in the hall just this just tonight he he was pure while going three for four and uh here's hoping we get to see more of it <coughs> earlier this week tate frazier discussed indiana on the one shining podcast placing mike woodson at number 36 for his top 100 characters that count in college basketball shining a light on mike progressing indiana being able to sell the dream that bob knight had once been the embodiment of and getting top recruits and top talent back on board in bloomington tate was joined by iman brennan um, and Tate and Iman both believed Indiana to be a little underrated at this time, while also admitting there are plenty of questions at this moment. In regards to the questions for this squad at this moment, Iman had said, can they get the new guys to gel? Kalel Ware, Mbako, can they gel with Malik Renu? Iman said, super talented starting five, but some questions about it. Xavier Johnson, A, can he stay healthy? B, can he be as good as he was two seasons ago? towards the end of the season where he kind of pushed Indiana into the NCAA tournament. If he's an all-Big Ten level guard, then Indiana has a chance to be really good. He went on to say, in terms of starting five, it may be the most talented starting five in the Big Ten. He made sure to emphasize talented. May not be the best, but it may be the most talented. And this week, uh, shout out to the Field of 68 uh, network and uh, the House of Hoosier podcast, uh, just, just for getting Trey Galloway to come on and preview the upcoming season. Uh, I ain't got that type of pull. Um, damn, that shit makes me je- jealous. It makes me jealous. <laughs> but So, hey, if anybody on the team is listening to this, if anybody gets word of this and wants to hop on the pod, hit me up and we can talk about basketball or we can talk about baseball. We can talk about whatever the hell you want. Just come on the pod. Let's have a talk. <laughs> Man. Yeah, hey, great episode. Go check it out, Hoosier fans. Of course, you, uh, you probably already have if you're listening to my show. <laughs> That's the end of the Hoosier news for you. We'll have plenty more following the Florida Gulf Coast game. So let's get into some of that national news. (music) 
the big story this week was Cooper Flagg's commitment to Duke, and uh, that was a surprise to really no one. Of course, that was coming, and yeah, no real thoughts on it. I, I all thought that that was, I thought that was all but done. <laughs> UConn fans thought they had a chance, but I, I, I don't think anyone really thought that. In national news, Ball State head coach and Indiana's second all-time leading assist man, Michael Lewis rocked the red sweater while coaching Ball State two days ago. You could look into that a lot of ways, but I, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome because that's a guy who was there at the very end. Showing you that even when the end was here in Bloomington in 2000, there there was there were guys that could respond to Bobby Knight's fiery nature. Everyone talks. I mean, do do the ends justify the means? Many the, some of the more negative among us point to uh, just how more and more aggressive it got down the down the line through the years. Michael Lewis was there at the end. He was there at the end of Bobby's tenure here, and he still hold. I mean, him doing that just shows that he still has. Bobby in his heart has uh, he's grateful for what Bobby get, like did for him, and that should mean something. That should mean something when people go to critique how this all ended, how how Bobby's time at Indiana ended, or maybe I'm just looking too much into a red sweater. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, classy move by Michael Lewis, absolute Indiana legend. In NBA news, we had a TJD update as Trace Jackson Davis and fellow Warrior rook Brandon Podziemski, however you say that last name were reassigned to the Warriors G League affiliate. Um, no need to see this as a major setback, though, because when asked for the reason for reassignment, Steve Kerr laid out the game plan. He said, The next few days are training camp for Santa Cruz, so a lot of great drill work, scrimmage time, and with neither guy in the rotation right now, we felt like it was a better time spent there, and then they'll rejoin the team soon. Trace has showed that if anything were to happen in that Golden State front court, he will be able to step in and subsidize any issues they may have and uh, I, I think he's, I think he's earned a spot on that squad. I, although I do not know anything about NBA basketball, <laughs> so don't hold me to that. Um, but I, I did like this explanation from Steve Kerr. Um, in all reality, he doesn't even really need to explain himself. But I like that he shared the game plan with uh, the rest of us. In more bad West Virginia news, West Virginia transfer Kerr Kresha, that dude that helped just gut us last season, has been suspended for nine games following. A uh, Arizona infraction, having taken impersonal benefits, impermissible benefits, uh, while at Arizona. So the West Virginia fans, who I originally thought couldn't be more down bad than they currently were, seem to be put in a position where they are even more down bad. Of course, you all saw, while the Hoosiers had a slow start to our U of Indy exhibition, uh, Louisville, Louisville fans were living a waking nightmare as the Cardinals lost to Kentucky Wesleyan 71-68. I think I saw an interview somewhere where Kenny Payne had been like, man, if we just had more boards, if he, this one guy had more boards, uh, talking about one of his players, in which that guy didn't even play in the game. Um, yeah, it's a total mess at Louisville. And uh, again, it's, it's astounding that they had to fire Patino in the wake of the FBI investigation, in the wake of all that coming down, and then Bill Self is just Bill Selfing it up. <laughs> It's it's wild, and if I were a Louisville fan, damn, that would piss me off. Other national news as the Losers Tournament, the NIT, uh, had a shakeup as, an in, as a decision regarding the nature of the NIT has now severed any chances for many mid-majors to continue with postseason basketball. Per CBS Sports, regular season conference champions who don't make the NCAA tournament will no longer receive an automatic bid to the NIT under new selection criteria announced Friday by the NCAA. 
Instead, the two the top two teams in the NET rankings from each of the major six conferences, ACC, Big 12, Big East, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, that did not qualify for the NCAA tournament will earn the first 12 will earn the first 12 NIT automatic bids and have the right to host first round games. They're trying to get more eyes on that tournament while uh, cutting out the little guy. The NIT was a big deal for those for many of those schools, but uh, honestly, it's just a tournament I could not care about. Again, it's a tournament where I just worry about losing in it. It's just another chance to lose. You you can rest on having some success in the big in the big dance, but honestly, just if you don't have all the success in the NIT, what's the point? It, it's a disappointing season if you don't win the whole thing. Just more more chances for heartbreak lie in that tournament. Hoiberg provided an update regarding Kasai Tomonaga's injury, saying uh, Kasai is out of the boot and he's walking around pretty well. He's actually responded after that first day. He was very sore the next morning, swollen. They put him in the boot, got him out of it quickly. So hopefully Friday we can get him moving a little bit and then see where it goes from there. That That's just a little update on the Kasai injury I'd brought up in the previous episode of the Often Taunted Podcast. Again, thank you for listening. In Michigan news, Michigan's interim coach uh, Phil Martelli gave an update on Juwan Howard, saying he's day-to-day stronger. I judge it in his voice. When you talk to him, there's more timber in his voice, and I will say that his ability to watch film, that hasn't changed. He's watching as much, and he's commenting, and we are anxious to get him back full-time. The loss of your head coach um, would be a blow if, I mean, Phil Martelli is a decent interim to have, as he found much success at Bryant. And uh, they're going to need to utilize that experience as they are going down a key player. Um, In other Michigan news, after uh, being expected to shoulder much more this season, Jace Howard will be missing the next four to six weeks for the squad as he looks to come back from a stress fracture in his right knee and tibia. Yeah, hey, that's all the news I got for you guys right now. Um, I'll be collecting the stories between now and the end of the Florida Gulf Coast game. Uh, So I hope to have plenty of more for you uh, come that episode. But uh, after this word from our sponsor, we'll uh, get into my little Bobby Knight Hoosier History Hit tribute for you. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. I'm going to be writing more and more on there now that the regular season is kicking off. Going to be sharing my thoughts on the Indiana Hoosiers there. Uh, Going to be able, like I said, that, that... Florida Gulf Coast preview <laughs> may have been a little weak. I don't know a lot about them. I don't watch a lot of Florida Gulf Coast basketball. Um, but luckily for some of our conference opponents, I should be able to have on some of our Big Ten, our Big Banter uh, Network podcast hosts who do have insight on the teams that we will be previewing, who do watch every game of those teams. And I'm looking forward to the work ahead. It's going to be a lot of fun this season. I hope you can tune in, uh, stick with us, and uh yeah, if, if you haven't followed them on Twitter at Big Banter Sports, follow them everywhere there. Also, follow Often Daunted. You guys, I can't thank you enough for listening. It, this is this hobby. I love it. And I, it, yeah, I just appreciate the hell out of you giving me the time out of your day. Yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do. Thanks, guys. This is your Hoosier History Hit. So for this uh, Hoosier history hit, we are going to be remembering Bobby Knight. Robert Montgomery Knight was born to Patrick Knight, a railroad worker, and Hazel Knight, a school teacher in the town of Massillon in northeast Ohio. He would grow up in Orville in the same area before attending Orville High School, 
where a young Robert would thrive in baseball, football, and most obviously, basketball. Graduating eighth in his class of 80, his uh, 6'4 frame and his academic success bode well for him to receive a scholarship to a Ohio State University in 1958. In his time with the Buckeyes, Bob wasn't Bob wasn't ever the star of the team, um, understandably so, as in his recruiting class were NBA greats John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas, but uh, he was a part of the 1960s National Championship squad. Following his graduation with a degree in history and government in 1962, Bobby accepted a history teaching position at Cuyahoga Falls in order to serve on the high school staff as an assistant coach. A year later, he would find himself in West Point serving as an assistant for Tate's Locke. It wouldn't be long until Locke left for Miami of Ohio, and at that time, Knight was promoted to head coach at the ripe age of 24, becoming the nation's youngest D1 head coach. After leading Army to five consecutive winning seasons in a six-year career at Army, he left West Point with a record of 102-50. In his tenure there, including two 20-win seasons and four NIT appearances, and remember, the NIT at this time was a much more respected tournament than it is now, Upon taking the Indiana job in 1971, Bobby was the first non-IU grad to uh, have the job. During his time at Indiana, sure, Bobby was often seen as media unfriendly, often volatile, but damn if he wasn't successful. His tenure at Indiana will go down as one of the most historic ever. 11 Big Ten titles, one one NIT title back when that was a well-respected tournament, and three national championships delivered to the Hoosier faith, delivered to the Hoosier faithful. One couldn't dream of asking someone for such a hall of achievements in their time. Nonetheless, Bobby did it. No one since the undefeated season has been able to carry the number one AP ranking wire to wire, and honestly, I don't see a future in which that single season achievement can possibly be topped. In his 29 years with the Hoosiers, he had coached nine Big Ten MVPs, 27 All-Americans, and countless other players who, despite his harsh and demanding nature, welcomed the challenge and stepped up to the task at hand. In that time, he amassed 22 seasons with at least 20 wins. His success was fueled by his fiery nature, and it was that nature that laid the ground for the unrepentant Indiana fanaticism that we all take part in to this day. Many can say Bobby was harsh and volatile, with many events to point to, but Bobby Knight was and is Indiana basketball. However ugly it ended in Bloomington, the Hoosiers owe it all to him. Bobby loved basketball, and his passion for it was in each breath he took in Assembly Hall. He gave the good folks of the best damn state in the nation everything he had for better or worse. And from all that he gave, these people took some of the greatest memories in their sports-loving lives. You didn't have to witness his tenure here to know the effects he has had. Words can't do such a monumental personality, career, and individual justice. But through the memories and stories of the general, passed down within our friends, our families, our communities, we all are able to know of the legendary figure that was Robert Montgomery Knight. And uh, following that, I just wanted to share a few words from around the country following the news. A few quotes from uh, some people of significance um, following the death of the general. Mike Woodson had said, uh, It is a profoundly sad day for all of us who love Coach Knight. My thoughts and prayers go out to his wife Karen, his family, and to all who loved him. I am so blessed that he saw something in me as a basketball player. He influenced my life. He influenced my life in ways I could never repay, as he did with all of his players. He always challenged me to get the most out of myself as a player and more importantly as a person. His record as a basketball coach speaks for itself. 
He will be remembered as one of the greatest ever, and his impact on the game of basketball is etched in stone. His teams were always prepared, and with him on the sideline, you always believed that he put you in, a, in the best position to win. I will always cherish the time we spent together after I played for him. His fierce loyalty to his former players never wavered. I am grateful that he was able to come to our practices after I came back. His presence meant so much to me, our staff, and our players. In his presser on Thursday, Mike had added on to that, just uh, saying, as far as I'm concerned, he's the greatest coach to ever grace a college basketball floor. Mike had also shared just an awesome picture of the both of them, looking just handsome as ever back in the day. My thoughts and prayers go out to Coach Knight's family and all who loved him. He influenced my life in, in ways I could never repay. It is a very sad day for all of us who loved him. Following Mike's or following Bobby's passing, uh, FAU head coach Dusty May, Bob Knight was truly a legend in every sense of the word. The impact that he had on me and so many others simply can't be measured. Today we lost one of the greatest coaches in the history of sports. My thoughts are with his family at this time. R.I.P. Coach. Another one thing I just wanted to bring up was uh, just the uh, Michael Jordan story has been making the rounds, in which. Uh, the Trailblazers GM Stu Inman um, had called Mike had called Bobby Knight to ask his opinion on who to draft, uh, pointing out that they needed a center. Bob Knight, who had coached Michael Jordan, who had coached Michael Jordan at the '84 Olympic Trials, told the Blazers GM to take Michael Jordan. And uh, in response to "But we need a center," Knight yelled back, "So play him at center." And that that, that speaks for itself. I mean. <laughs> He had the insight. He had the fast track. You get Michael Jordan when you have the chance to get Michael Jordan. He, he's a he's a prophet in that regard. Indie star sports reporter Dana Hunsinger Bembo shared her story uh, following her call to Steve Alford in the wake of the news, saying Steve Alford said tonight there was no way he could get through a phone call to talk about Bob Knight. Instead, he sent me an almost poetic text about the coach he called a mentor, father figure, friend. I'm a mess. I love that man so much, said Alford. In that article, uh, she shared the quote from Steve Alford saying, Bottom line, he made me a better man and player. He promised me that I would play with great teammates. We would have, chan we would have a chance to win championships. I would get my degree, and I would have a friend for life. Alford continued saying, Not only did he check those important boxes, he has done so much more for me. Isaiah Thomas shared his thoughts saying, Had I not gone to Indiana, and had Coach Knight not coached me, I don't think I ever would have been the player that I became or the person that I am. Those are just some of my favorite ones, uh, favorite uh, comments on Bobby Knight's passing. I mean, even, even it was awesome to see the basketball world come out in that moment. Uh, e even Dan Dockage took a moment to stop screaming at kids on his lawn to uh, say some pretty genuine words and a great tribute to Bobby. I mean, possibly for clicks, but... Uh, Glad to see you knew better than Greg Doyle. You know, you know my, my thoughts on Dan Dockage and Greg Doyle are uh, they're usually the predator meme, sh like the predator handshake meme um, for taking shots at this program whenever possible. Only instead of uh, beyond jacked Carl Weathers and an insanely yoked Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's more just uh, two over-the-hill negative-ass clickbait wranglers. Um, but glad to see Dan could quit playing his uh, heel character for even just a moment and share some glowing words for Bob. It's a long one, but it's it's a good one. It, I'll give I'll give Dan credit when it's due. If you haven't seen it, go make it the only dockage material you interact with this, this season, and uh, check it out. And in regards to Greg Doyle, Greg didn't wait for Bob's body to get cold, 
um, before getting his shots in on the less than legendary aspects of Bobby Knight's story. Whatever, man. Let let the fan base just go through it. Let us go through it before you whatever, whatever. I mean, it's also just, it's indie star, indie star. Quit being part of the problem. Promote folks like Dana. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think enough people know. Like the indie sp- star, the indie star sports columnist, Greg here for a bad time. Doyle. He's a Hawaiian-born, Mississippi-raised, Georgia high school educated. Um, at the Stratford Academy, which has a crazy and very unsettling history. Florida alumni. What, sure, Indy Star. L- let's have him lecture the people of this community, column after column. It, it's beyond. I, it, I don't know how he still has the Indy Star platform. I don't. Figure it out, Indy Star. I, I don't blame him. He's just playing the character he plays. I blame you. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was the end of my. <laughs> Little Bobby Knight tribute. Yeah, hey, that's all I've got for you today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram uh, for my pregame cheat sheet this week. Uh, coming your way the day before each Hoosier game this season, each cheat sheet will show you a history of the matchup, the opposition's rankings in several categories, the dudes on the opposing squad to worry about, any underlying storylines heading into each game, and uh, much more. Simple, easy, pull it up, look it over, and be prepped for each game this extremely athletic Hoosier squad has heading their way. Again, that, in order to get that, follow me everywhere at Often Daunted. Thank you guys so much for giving me your time today. Have a great one. God bless you all. God bless Bobby Knight. RIP Big Dog, you're looking down on us. We got a force ghost on our team this season. Let's take it all the way. <laughs>